hello and welcome to another episode of the Asking for a Friend podcast, an elder-led ministry of Believer's Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. My name is Duffy Henderson and I'll be your host. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and benefit of God's people. Here we hope to provide helpful, thoughtful, and most importantly, biblical material as we address everyday life questions and issues. If you find this podcast helpful, please take a few moments to share it with someone that you think would also benefit from it. Thanks for listening in, and may the Lord bless this podcast greatly to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth and benefit. We sure hope that you'll enjoy today's episode. Well, we are back, yes, once again with another episode in the month of June, and uh, this is midway through our day that we record our episodes. We record all on one day for the month, and we just got back from eating a good lunch. We had some more great conversation over lunch, some chicken fried steak and burgers um, right down the road from us, and this is our afternoon lull. We're going to have to keep our minds sharp as we're talking for this episode. Um, But Jason, uh, why don't you kick us off today with the topic, uh, and we're discussing, I think, a very important and relevant topic about how we ought to and why we ought to guard our hearts, particularly for believers. Jason? Well, I do, um, we we do want to talk about what does it mean to guard our hearts, and I think that going back to what you were just talking about, the lunch conversation, probably would be a good thing to dip into just a moment uh, for the next podcast, uh, for the next episode, rather, for next week, because we're going to be talking about the church, and what we had a conversation about at lunch was the Sabbath. Mm. So perhaps we can delve into that a little bit. It just hit me while you were uh, introducing this episode, and I thought, well, maybe we could uh, talk about that. I do have one dilemma, though, that just before we get into our discussion, um, Stacy, my wife's birthday is coming up. Uh, next Monday, and I don't know exactly what to get her. Uh, I don't a, either. Yeah, a leaf blower <laughs> or a, a sidewalk edger. And do you, either one of you guys have any kind of input that would help me with this? Actually, I do. God, I do God well. told me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? I'll go with it. If he told you, I'll go with it. <laughs> that was actually a, a remark back to a podcast we had done just the uh, last couple of weeks we've been doing. Anyway, so uh, that was meant to be funny. Actually, yeah. God didn't tell me either one. Yes. Uh, Jason, I have some really helpful advice for you. What's that? Find out which one she wants and get it for her. <laughs> I think I'm going to get her to the dog grooming table. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Or that. Yeah, yeah. Then, yeah. there's always get, that. And then you can go get her a dog to go with it. <laughs> she has the dog. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. She always grooms the dog, and she needs a table to, to groom the dog. Well, anyway, uh, thanks for the input. and I'll see what I can I just, I'm just laughing out here because <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking it's like the man who says, listen, I don't know whether to get my wife dishwashing detergent, you know, or gloves so that she can wash the dishwasher, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Listen, I really love my wife, but them dishpan hands is just not what I like. So <laughs> let me let me get her some gloves yeah. so that she can wash the Instead dishes. Instead of doing the dishes for her. Yes, right? yes. This is the and kind of like, thing. dude, you're thinking about yeah. this all wrong. Yeah, he's not wanting to groom the dog himself, <laughs> but let me get her a table so it'll facilitate that grooming. <laughs> right, right, right. We'll be praying for you. Brother. Yeah, thank oh. you, thank you. Well, uh, let's let's get serious for a minute and talk yeah. about the text that we want to use to uh, as our launch pad for our discussion in this yeah. episode. And we are discussing the uh, the idea of what it is to guard your heart, because 
Um, when you think about that text, and it's found in Proverbs 4, 23, and you can find it on plates and plaques and T-shirts and bumper stickers, um, the idea of guarding your heart. And I think it's misunderstood and misunder- misapplied like so many of our more popular texts are from Scripture, uh, like I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's one example from the New Testament. But this particular text is not about, this verse is not about um, making sure that you are guarding your heart from uh, entering into a relationship uh, or guarding your heart in that you don't want to fall in love too quickly with someone uh, or that somehow you are you're putting some hedges around yeah. your heart that you don't get hurt if you enter into a relationship. Yeah, this isn't um, the 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 father figure in Proverbs isn't talking to his son about relationship advice here. That's right. That's that right. That comes later. He right. does address it, but he does. this verse is speaking a little differently, right? That's right. Right. Well, uh, since you brought that up, listen to beginning in verse twenty of Proverbs chapter four. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you ponder the path of your feet then all your ways will be made sure do not swerve to the right or to the left turn your foot away from evil mm. and when you read that that verse proverbs 4:23 in the context of the, all of those verses mm-hmm. which is verse 20 through 27 mm-hmm. you see that what is mentioned there by the father to the son um, is the idea of being careful with your eyes, with your mouth, where your feet, where you go, with your hands, how you use them. And then the centerpiece of that would be your heart. And so what is it then that the son is hearing from the father about guarding your heart? Not about relationships, but about making sure that um, you are um, not letting all the other uh worldly philosophies and ideas that are vying for its attention, that is your heart's attention and your heart's affection, not letting those become predominant in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, those things then would affect where you go, what you do with your hands, what you say with your lips, what you see with your eyes, what you hear with your ears. So the the centerpiece then of guarding your heart is this idea of uh, making sure that we're not letting all of the world's flavors and um, um, taste become pre- predominant mm-hmm. in our life. And, and that's just the, the simple way to say it. There's much more to it, as we're going to see as we go through the conversation. Um, the idea is, uh, in Hebrew, the idea of heart includes the idea of mind. Even in the context of the whole book of Proverbs, you have the idea of heart, including the emotions, uh, the will, uh, just that inner self. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this this addresses the, the the volitional side of man. That is exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we do what we want. And so we need to guard what drives what we do and what we want, mm-hmm. right? We got we to... Gotta, Sometimes we take one step back and address that issue, but there's an underlying root that we haven't chopped off, and we're going to see that sprout again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And if we can understand that, uh, my mind immediately goes to Jonathan Edwards and his work on the will. Um, I believe he wrote The Freedom of the Will. Um, and his, his whole argument in his case that uh, the affections and the volitional center of a man is what drives the man. And so we know that the, the heart of man is deceitful. We talked about that, I believe, last week's podcast. Um, and this is what the Father's addressing right here, right? I just right. wanted to jump in there for a second. Right. It's, it's the idea, um, if, in our pre-discussion before we actually started recording, uh, it's the idea that Philip suggested that it, almost like we put guards around our heart because we don't want our heart to break out and go to its fullest extent mm. because there's remaining sin in the believer, right? And it's still in the heart. Mm-hmm. And so you don't want your heart to break out and then it affects your hands, your feet, your eyes, your ears, your mouth, those exactly. kinds of exactly. realities. Exactly. Well, and this is why it must be guarded uh, anyway, because, um, you know, the, the fact that there's things outside of, uh, outside of us that vie for this attention, right, of our heart, vie for its affections, um, <clears throat> is only a problem if the remaining, if there's remaining corruption in us that make it susceptible to those, to the wooing, right, of this outside source. So guarding the heart is, it, it, to some extent, is it, it makes necessary a recognition that there is remaining corruption in me, right? That that. Um, Jeremiah seventeen nine, the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? Right, Th- that kind of verse is not just about the unbeliever, but recognizes that that's also the heart of the believer. Uh, right, the, there's remaining corruption which makes him su- susceptible to the the, the these. Um, uh, affections uh, of the world. And this is the warning, uh, the reason that we say guard your heart, but really what the psalmist is warning his son is here is exactly the same thing that John warns the believer about. Don't love the world. Right. Don't love the world because that will affect the way that you use your hands, your feet, your tongue, your mouth, and everything else. Yes. And so the distinction then becomes this. If Tell me if I'm wrong, Philip. Uh, Duffy, help me here. Um, we tend to think that sin comes from the outside. It's external. That it, that it presses in upon us from the external. And so we would put guards around our hearts so that those external things would not influence. We, sure. we try to, we, we're thinking about it, we're, you're thinking about it all wrong. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we, we're trying to keep stuff out. Yeah. But, but it's in us. But it's, we, it's in yes, us. Yes. Yeah. So we're we're trying to guard the stuff that is in us from getting its full freedom. Yes. Yeah. And and here's what Jesus well, says. Well, there about is a it. sense which we're guarding against exteriors only because only because we know there is something still awry in us that will take hold of those exterior yes. um, uh, offerings, right? And sure, and take sure. them in, and they will fuel. Um, than the real lust and desires of our heart that remain. Sure, and we need, but we need to address the 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 inner 
before we address the outer in one sense. Obviously, we need to do both at the same time. Mm -hmm. But the real danger, we (laughs) I love your analogy. We need to keep our heart caged and guarded in a sense because it's dangerous. It is. Right. We need to have this sense that, um, well, in our previous podcast, and we'll go right to you, Jason, in just a minute, but we talked about God's restraining grace. Uh It is only by his grace that we're not as bad as we could be. Right. Right. Well, in, in society, movies tell us all the time, right? Follow your heart, that oh, kind of thing. Yeah. Worst, worst don't, advice don't ever. Chase that, <laughs> don't chase that no, rabbit <laughs> Don't, because it's not only is it susceptible yes, to, yes. to influences outside of itself that are unhealthy, uh-huh. but it itself is unhealthy. Yes. And that's the point. Yes. Right. Go ahead, Jason. Well, in, in Mark chapter 7, Jesus says this, there's nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about this parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. Mm-hmm. From from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these evil things come from within, and they are uh, defiling a person. Yeah. Well, I see Duffy holding up a book, which I want to get him to. But but here, and here's why. When the reason I'm, I'm trying to pick a quote, it's so good. I don't I, well, know he's what... holding up a, a book called Mortification of Sin by John Owen. But let me tell you um, why that that was. Uh, I got to thinking about that immediately. The truth of the matter is, when we guard though that thing outside, the reason we're keeping it out. Right, even though the, the ultimate defilement comes from within, is because we don't want to feed, we don't want to fertilize, if you will, the remaining yeah, seeds that are in our heart. We want to mortify them. That's right. So we should be cutting off oxygen, cutting off um, fertilization, cutting off the things that would feed those seeds that are already in our heart. And that's the point, right? So you're reading that. Yes, the evil comes from within, not from without. Right. Right. But there are things outside of us that feed and nourish the very sinful behaviors that remain in our heart. And this is why not only do we guard our heart from from letting it expose and and give out the sinful behaviors that would come from it, we also have to guard it from that which would nourish it from the outside. That's right. That's right. That's that's why uh, putting it in a, uh, a simple analogy. Your heart is rattling the bars. Your heart is looking for the key to to unlock the door, to get out. Because what's out there external is attractive. It's appealing. It's sensual. It's desirous. Yes. And so the heart... That's the point. It wants to go out. (laughs) And so you're guarding that heart. You're you're making sure the keys are far away. But unlike Barney Fife, they're not between the two cells where you can reach out the bars and get it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Ernest, Ernest, Uh, what was the drug? Yeah, it was Ernest that would always reach the wire and put himself in and out. But but here's the thing. Um, This language of keep, this changes a little bit uh, the way that we... Uh, look at it as we are to keep our heart in the sense of we we guard it, but there's restraint and there's oversight. There's um, there's authority that we place ourselves over our heart in the sense of we re- we we put it in jail. We p- we lock it up uh, in that way. 
Um, and, and can I can I give yeah, an example, a biblical one, of what you were just talking about, how or what we were just talking about, as where uh, the, though the heart is wicked, things outside entice it. Um, psalm seventy three says this. Okay, this is a psalm of Asaph, wonderful psalm. I would encourage you to read it all the way through. Yes. But the psalm of Asaph here is is him recognizing that that he had at some point let his heart um, be gripped by, nourished by things outside of himself, and he began to long for those things. He began to see those things as satisfying. And at some point, God in his grace opens Asaph's eyes. Beautiful text, but read this. Truly God is good to Israel. This is Psalm 73. But to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Why? For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Mm. Verse 4, they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind, right? This is what he sees, right? Or this is what he perceives. Now, he's not, he's not accurate in his estimation, but nevertheless, he sees this in a temporal way, and he says, man, my life's not so easy. My life's not going the way I thought it would go. I see the ease. I see yes. the, the, what seems to be a problem-free, trouble-free life amongst the wicked. That's right. And it makes me go, what have I kept myself pure for? Philip, right. Philip every believer without, I would say without exception, can relate to Asaph in this yes. four. Yes. Well, in this whole psalm, we, we, we understand the struggle and the pain. There's sometimes it's real pain, but some, this struggle that we have, God, why do you let the wicked run free? Why am I in such turmoil when I'm trying to please you? Right? I don't want to take your, take well, your thunder No, but that's there, exactly but his argument is, I, I, I've tried to keep myself from loving the world. But when I look out there and I look at the people who are loving the world, it seems that their life goes so much easier than right, mine. Right. Yeah. And, um, and for a moment, right, he lets in enough of the outside, which begins to nourish and feed this, this sinful heart of his, right? right. And he um, absconds, really, you know, from right. God's way. But in, in God's grace, um, he, later he goes to church, Right. And God opens his eyes to the end of their, um, uh, to the ends of these people, right? He, God opens his eyes uh, to, to let him see that their end is not a good end. And um, yeah. the amazing thing is, in this whole thing, he actually says that you, God, had set them in slippery places, right? This is, um, I actually preached this text of, uh, maybe a year ago or something, mm -hmm. and I preached it. But one of the things that um, I think I picked up from Spurgeon or something, but I thought it was so helpful in, in, in thinking about this, is if the things the world out there has to offer are so good and they're so wonderful, why is it that God gives it to the ungodly more than he gives it to the godly? Mm. We ought to take that into consideration, right? Mm. If that stuff is really so desirable and it's really so good for us, why does God give so much of it to them and not to his people? It may be that all the things that, that want to entice us, that look so appetizing out there, are not near as good for us as we think they are. Right. They could be slippery, slippery places. That's right. And I just, um, so I guess about a month ago now, maybe three, four weeks ago, um, we part of our dinner devotions uh, for our family, we read through a kind of an abridged version of the Pilgrim's Progress. It's written for children. 
It was really wonderful. It, it allowed our children's minds to get creative a little bit as we, as we follow Pilgrim through. And uh, one of the towns is Vanity. And the pilgrims come through and they're enticed a little bit and they're trying to battle with this. It's painted in this, uh, just everything that you could want is in the town. Vanity Fair. Vanity Fair. That's right. That's right. And this is exactly what we're talking about. It's why God have you put it? We completely bypass all the blessings he's given us. And we ask him, why can't I have that? Why can't I have this? Why why am I why do I need to battle this? Why can't I have the pleasures of my heart, the mm-hmm. desires of my heart? Right. And we're just we, we think about it upside down. We do. Here's how Paul puts it in the New Testament. We we've talked about Psalm seventy three, we've talked about Proverbs four twenty three. Yeah. Uh, Paul says, uh, do not be conformed to this world. That's right. But be transformed by That's the That's about as clear as he could be. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh and, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. First uh, John, uh, chapter two, when when John writes about it, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passionate away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that last verse made me think of this book that I'm reading here, Stop Loving the World by William Greenhill. You know, you said it's all passing away, right? right. It's all passing away. Something that William Greenhill says in this, in um, chapter one or chapter two, reasons for not loving the world. It says this, it will, this is a reason for not loving the world. It will direct you to things that are merely probable and make you leave things that are certain. It's unreasonable to be taken away from the things that are certain in order to be put on things that are only probable. It's only probable for any man in this world to get the world. It's unreasonable to follow hard after that which is only probable, whether he shall get it or not, right? So why would we give up the, the things that are certain for that which we may or may not get? Right. But then mm. the po- second point he makes here is supposing we do get it. Supposing you work and with all your endeavoring you get it. We cannot keep it without fear of losing it. Hmm. Consider Proverbs 23, 5. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings, and they fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Right? Mm-hmm. And consider Proverbs 27, 1. Boast not yourself of tomorrow, for you know not what a day may bring forth. Tomorrow may bring a great storm, right? And everything you have be, be gone. Step three, though. Supposing you do get the things of the world and are able to keep them, they will not satisfy your soul. That's right. Therefore, it's unreasonable to let go of that which will satisfy the soul in order to keep that which will not satisfy. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver. And if we love the world, the honors, the pleasures, or anything in the world, we will not be satisfied with it. Right. Right. Micah 6, 14 and 15 says this, and then we'll move on. Thou shalt eat, but not be satisfied, and thy casting down shall be in the midst of thee, and thou shalt take hold, but shall not deliver. And that which thou deliverest will I give up to the sword. Thou shalt sow, but thou shalt not reap. Thou shalt tread the olives, but thou shalt not anoint thee with oil and sweet wine, but shall not drink the wine. Right. Right. So, um, the, the the things of the world will not yield 
what we expect them to yield. Right. That's the, that's the argument he's making, right? Right. right. So the, why would we give up that which is only probable for that which is certain? Why would we give up that which even if we could obtain it, we would uh, struggle lifelong to keep it? For, you know, for that which is, is certain. Uh, and even then, uh, if, we, if we could get it and keep it, why would we strain after something that ultimately does not satisfy? Right. Why do we keep going back to the cistern and abandoning the fountain? Right. Right. Why do we think that the things of this world are going to be satisfying because we have visions of heaven? This, this world is not going to do for us what heaven guarantees for us. Well, and this goes all the way back to the first thing you said earlier when you talked about this over-realized eschatology, right? Where um, people want all the glories of heaven here and now. Yes. Right? The truth of the matter is we have an, an, an inheritance that is undefiled and unfading, incorruptible, kept for us where? In heaven, mm-hmm. not here. And it's not promised to us here and now in this present age. Absolutely that's not. Right. And that's, that's another podcast episode sure. from the time. I, w- I would love to chase that rabbit a little bit. Um, let's, let's draw this episode to a close. We could say so many more things. I know one, one as a young man, I have found this particular uh, verse very helpful for me. Uh, it follows on the heels of the Proverbs text. But Solomon in Ecclesiastes, uh, I've, I've read through Ecclesiastes multiple times, and I think this for me, and it may be helpful to someone else, the very last thing that Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes, he writes, the end, of all, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring, about every, bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. The, the reason I bring this up is because in, in the, we are commanded to guard our hearts and to keep our hearts and to pursue holiness, to pursue godliness, pursue righteousness, right? Desire righteousness. We can't do that while disobeying God. And so there's a, there's a, there's a connection, a very deep connection between loving the law, right? Loving God's law, as the psalmist writes in Psalm 119, 19, uh, many others. Um, I love the law of God. Why? Because it conforms me to him. Right. And when I am not guarding my heart, I don't love the law of God. I love my law. <laughs> I love whatever I get to do. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So those are just some, some thoughts as you guys are talking. Um, Philip, why don't, we, why don't we wrap up our episode right. with one more quote from your book by William Greenhill? Yeah, actually, if you don't mind, I, I, what I want to do is um, I'm going to look at chapter six, and, and sure. he has in bold. Um, print on chapter six, uh, a few thoughts. Um, I'll just give you the go thoughts ahead. Yeah, go because ahead. I think these would be helpful. And the, the title of this is Directions for Getting Our Hearts Off the World, right? Mm. How is it that we that we abandon um, you know, that attraction, that thing? Great here's what it says. Today. Yeah. Be convinced of its evil. Know that the world is evil, that it's not good, it's evil, and that it um, it would seek to destroy you. Mortify your lusts. Right. Step number two, right? If you have a desire for that, squash it. Squash it. Look to things eternal. Right. Guard your heart. Submit to God's will. Look on Christ. Right. This is how when he's our all in all, I'm not the all in all. 
it's much easier to give up the world. That's right. The reason the world's an attraction is because I find in me mine all in all mm. instead of I find in Christ yes. mine all in all. Love God more. That's the answer. That's it. Love God That's where we need to end more. today. Love that's God it. more. Well, that's it for today's episode. We thank you once again for listening in to the Asking for a Friend podcast. And we sure hope it's been a blessing to you today. Don't forget to like this podcast. Maybe leave us a review, a comment, wherever you're listening. And share the podcast with a friend, family member, maybe on a social media platform. And don't forget, finally, to submit a question to us if you have one through our website at bbcemory.org. Find our media tab. Scroll all the way to the bottom and uh, you can submit a question to us in the box there. So until next time, grace and peace be with you all.